Good morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. Um, for those of you who may be a guest or don't know me, my name is Trevor. I'm pastor here at Round Oak. And I'm glad to see each and every one of you here this morning as we worship the risen Savior. But as we start off, I'll say this. What a beautiful day to worship the Lord. It's just a great day. And as we start off this week, uh, the week of Thanksgiving, I want to make sure that we're in the right mindset. So I want to say something before or as we kind of get started here. Thanksgiving is not just being thankful. That's not it at all. But it's an act. It's something we actually do. Thanksgiving is something that we actually do. We give Thanksgiving. That's what it is. And more so than that, we give Thanksgiving to someone. And that at least should be to God. We should look to God for anything and everything that we have. We should look to God for any blessings that we receive, then we should give Him the thanksgiving that He has so rightly deserved. Far too often I see people talking about this a lot, that they like to give thanks, right? Give thanks. But just during November, during this 30-day period, you know, in November. 30 days of thanks, right? Day number three, I'm thankful for such and such. And the first thing I will always say to anybody who's, who does stuff like that, and if you're one of them, I do not apologize for calling you out, but I want you to hear this. What about the other 335 days? I mean, we, we miss it. We like to promote ourselves. Look how thankful I am for all this stuff that I have. But as soon as December 1st hits, we're done with Thanksgiving month. Now give me thanks for Christmas. And anybody, tell me I'm wrong. That's what we do. Let's get the right mindset of what we are celebrating this week, starting today with our Harvest Sunday. What are we really celebrating? Who are we thinking? Because we like this stuff, right? We talked about this a little bit this morning in, in, our, in our Sunday morning Bible study. I mean, we like to give. We like to receive, though. The, the, the old, you know, the adage, with the old saying, whatever you want to say, is, uh, you know, it's better to give than to receive. For some people. Some people could care less about giving. They want all the stuff. So, and then they're the same people who get, oh, get on social media and be like, I'm thankful on day four of November for my whatever, insert thing here. Who are they thankful to? Whoever happened to give them something the most recent or themselves. I'm so thankful for me that I had gotten myself a good job and I had bought myself this car and I was able to fill up myself with gas. Good job, me. What is that thankful to? That's just me being boastful and proud. We missed the point. I'm not trying to like a slam fest on if, it, if, it's, if it's convicting anybody, first off, good. Second off, uh, that, that wasn't my intention. But well, who are we thankful to? What are we really looking at there? I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the concept of Thanksgiving. I think we should set time apart, albeit once a year, to really reflect and think about what we're looking at. I love turkey. You know, that's good. Mashed potatoes. You know what the best part of Thanksgiving is? Cranberry sauce shaped like a can. And if it's not shaped like a can, don't bring it. 
If it has real cranberries in it, I don't want it. It's got to be a certain one. And to be fair, when it's on sale, the cheap store brand for 72 cents, that's what I'm talking about. But I love the concept, though. But if you're only thankful because of things, even if it's cranberry sauce, I think you missed the point. I think you missed the point. If you're only thankful and only talk about these things in the month of November, you've completely missed the point. You've completely missed the point. Now, I wanted to start off that way on purpose. Because as followers of Christ, we should be thankful every day. Right? Every single day. First and foremost, we should be thankful because Christ is King. Christ is King. He gives us salvation. Salvation, right? That's amazing. Didn't have to. Doesn't. He didn't have to go to the cross and die for us, but he, but he did. We should be utterly thankful for that. And each and every one of us, we may have not have all the things that we want, but we have literally everything that we need. No excuses. Everything that we need. And He will sustain us each and every day for our whole lives until the day He calls us home. He will give us everything that we need. We should be thankful for that. We should be thankful that the God of the universe cares enough, loves enough, loves us enough, each and every one of us, to send His Son Jesus to die for us. Are we thankful for that? That He would take our sin for us. Not only just take our sin, but if when, when you bow, bend a knee, and you see Jesus for who He is, that not only does He take your sin, but He gives you His righteousness. He takes all the bad and gives you the good. Thank you, Lord, for that. That's amazing. If that's not the focal point of what your Thanksgiving's about, you have missed the point. I mean, don't get me wrong. Make the food. Have people over. Have time with friends, with family. But if it's not about Jesus, you have missed the point of what Thanksgiving really is, and you have been just like been created to be just like everybody else and made a holiday into some kind of consumer-driven idea to where everything is important that's actually not important. We missed the point. Again, we can take good things, friends, good thing, family, good thing, food, good thing. We can take good things and make them into bad things. And to be fair, we're really, really good at that. We are exceptionally good at that as a human race about taking good things and making them bad using them for wrong reasons. But again, if it's anything besides God's amazing grace for us, we have missed the point because He has saved a sinner, a wretch like me. And personally, I'm thankful every day. And when I'm not, I literally have to ask for forgiveness because I remember what it was like to be outside of the will of God, to remember what it was like to be outside of God's grace to remember what it was like to actually be an enemy of God. Does anybody else remember that? Who wants to go back to that? Okay, I'm really glad that no one raised their hands because we'd have to take this whole thing in a different direction. Remember that. And be thankful to God that He would save people like you and like me. 
But again, I started off that way just because it kind of lines up with this. As we continue through John today, this passage lines up with what we really should be thankful for. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, we're going to be in John chapter 6, looking at a few verses, verses 34 through 40. And again, this is kind of the start of, of a lot of discourse that Jesus gives. A whole bunch of talking that Jesus is going to do here. And one of the things he's doing is he's clearly saying a couple things. One of it, and the main point is, that he is the only way. That not only is he the son of God who has come to earth, who is going to, which we, we know, but they don't know yet, that he's going to die for us, but he is the same God who created all of earth which John already revealed to us in the beginning. He's remember that, you know, John 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God was with all that stuff. We go from Genesis to John, it's all saying, hey, it's Jesus. That guy is the only way. And this is now Jesus' point to talk about. That's, that's what's going on. So again, we look at all this, and we have to remember something here, too. It's really important. That is Jesus is talking to these people. He's telling them these things. He's not talking to believers here. This is very important. He's telling these things to those who do not believe in him. To those who do not think that he is anything beyond some kind of cool guy who can give them stuff. That's kind of the extent. He's telling this stuff to a selfish people who only want things. Who only want stuff something for themselves because remember if we keep everything in context which is the most important thing because otherwise we can just come up with whatever we want right so when we look at this who is he talking to a bunch of people who just want stuff right he's telling them how to be saved he's telling them who he really is no matter how wrong they are about him what does he do? Keeps telling them the truth. He tells them the truth, no matter what. And shouldn't we not do the same thing? Should we not be like Jesus more and more? No matter how wrong some people are about Jesus, do we just let them go with it? No. If someone says, well, Jesus was... This or that, which is obviously wrong. We can come up with some ideas if we want, but we don't need to. I think you all will get this. If Jesus was this or that, like, oh, well, they're not right, but it's okay. We should just love them anyway. That's wrong. You couldn't be more wrong if you let people distort what the Bible says. You're in the wrong if you don't say something. I'm not going to, but if you really want me to, I will show you multiple and multiple verses in context on why we shouldn't do that. We can't just let whatever happen. Jesus did this because he loved them. He said, hey, I'm going to keep telling you these things because your soul actually matters. And if you don't believe in me and have become washed by my blood, then you, you don't you don't get to go to heaven. You don't get to be with me. You don't have my righteousness and all of your sin you will still pay for. Are we willing to tell that to people? Like, well, you might be wrong, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. Good luck in hell. Do you realize that's what we're saying? Do you hate them enough to where you won't even tell them the truth or where you don't want them to be in heaven with Jesus? If, if, if you don't tell people about Jesus or let them 
openly just leave whatever they want, blaspheme the name of God, take this out of context, I need you to do me a serious favor. This is going to sound terrible, but I, I need you to be serious. Uh, I, I need to be serious with you. Be honest with them. Walk up to somebody next time they say something and say, I hate you. Have fun in hell when you die. Would anybody here do that? Then why don't you tell them the truth? Which one is it going to be? Pick which one? Which one are we going to pick? That's it. That's our choice. If we want to follow Jesus, that's our choice. That's what he's doing here. What Jesus is saying, he's like, I am the way. No matter your garbage, guys, I'm the way. You want stuff, it doesn't matter. I'm the way. It's not sunshine and rainbows, guys. Who here wants it to be? Me, right? Love sunshine. Rainbows are cool. The homosexual community hijacked that stuff. That's ours. That's the covenant. We had it first. I like it. Go away. But it's truth. We have to have it. I want it, but I'd rather have truth. I'd rather be walking through the fires of hell being in God's will than thinking I have sunshine and rainbows and be outside that truth and outside that will of God. We have to understand that. Life is hard. And if you've been a Christian for more than five seconds, you will know that life is not always easy. But if Jesus is going to preach the truth, then we need to do the same thing. So let's get into this before I keep rambling on for too long and see what we have to say here. Again, we're in John chapter 6, <clears throat> excuse me, looking at verses 34 through 40. Follow along if you have your Bibles. You found the spot as I read aloud. Starting in verse 34, it says this. Then they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Then in verse 35, Jesus told them, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever thirst again. But as I told you, but as I have told you, you have seen me, yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who, uh, the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, excuse me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So as we look at all this, we can take a few things from it. But now we have to make sure we keep it in context. We're looking at certain things. Now just before this, we looked at it last week. Jesus said this in verse 33. He says, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father uh, who gives you the true bread. You know, we remember all that, right? They heard that Jesus said that. He's still talking to the same people. They heard that. Yet they still didn't understand. They still didn't get it. They knew there was something special about this Jesus. That he was kind of a cool dude. He could do some weird stuff, right? They knew they wanted something. They knew that whatever it was that Jesus was talking about, they would like to have. But they couldn't make the connect. 
They wanted only the physical, the cool stuff. Right? They didn't care about the spiritual because the spiritual's later. Spiritual's later. Whatever it was that Jesus was talking about, whatever He was offering, they knew they wanted it because they said that. They said, give us this bread that you're talking about. Give us that always. We want it. And then Jesus gives them this straightforward answer. Because again, they missed it. And He's willing to tell them the truth even though it's probably going to make them mad. right? Verse 35 says this, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever go hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Essentially, Jesus is saying, it's me. You said you wanted the bread. It's right here before you. Jesus is saying, it's me. I am what comes from heaven. And in me, Jesus says, you will never be hungry again. There's no other way. If you're hungry, you need Christ. It's not a physical hunger. Sure, that has a little something to do with it, but it's that longing and hunger and thirsting for righteousness outside of Jesus that's not possible. Jesus is telling them, and us as well through His living and active Word, that He is everything that we need. If you hungry, if you hunger and if you thirst, you need Jesus. What are the two things you need to live? Bread and water. You can live forever off of bread and water. Jesus is saying, if you're hungry, come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me. I am who provides. I am who sustains each and every day for each and every person. He's telling them this. He is everything that we need. And in Him, we will no longer be hungry. We will no longer be thirsty. We will no longer hunger for or thirst for the things of this world. In Jesus. And He says that if you believe. And I like the word believed here. Because the Greek word is uh, pistio. Pistio. Yes, it means to believe, to trust. But the uh, the translation that I really, really like, it means to rely upon. It means to rely upon. So if we just kind of look at this real quick, what's he say here? But, uh, down in verse 35, uh, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever thirst, right? It's no one who relies upon. Now, you can believe in Jesus. We talked about this briefly for a second earlier. Uh, you know, even, you know, Muslims, Islam, they believe in Jesus. False religions believe in Jesus. The demons believe in Jesus. But do you rely on Him? Do you really rely on Him? A lot of people think He's true. Even secular scientists who think we're all crazy for even sitting here this morning will say, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, this man Jesus, in fact, did live and He was there. There's so much evidence and so much proof. Like, no, that, that happened. We don't rely on him, now. We believe he was real, but we don't rely on him, and we don't think he was being honest. They believe in him, though. Everybody believes that there's a God. We try to suppress it because we don't want to answer to certain God-like laws, but we know certain things. But do you rely on him? If you don't, you should. 
Because when you believe in Jesus, when you rely on Jesus, you no longer have to rely on yourself. You don't have to rely on yourself. We can rely on Jesus. Because again, in Him we have everything. And what are you going to add to your everything? Nothing. You can't add to everything. Because in Christ we have everything. only thing we can do is do what we're really good at and just mess things up. I'm not going to speak for you. That's you know, me speaking for me. But that's what we add. We add nothing to our everything. Because Christ is everything for us. In Him we have everything. And just as today, as Jesus said to them, that me, in me, in Jesus that is, you can have it all. Everything. You can have real and true life. You can have salvation. In Christ, you can have real life. And if you've never tasted that real life that Jesus offered, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm sorry, you don't. But if you have, you're like, yeah, you get it, you know it. Because you have real life in Christ. And outside of Christ, you've never experienced it. No matter how much, you know, I went skydiving and my heart was like, I don't care. Sounds like fun. But that's not real life. You will have real life. You cannot have real life outside of Christ. But in Him, again, you can have real life real truth, salvation. Be free from the bonds of sin and from death. And I want to say this because this is where we were going earlier. We should be thankful for that. We should look to God daily and give Him thanksgiving. Say, Lord, thank You so much that You would be willing to save a complete garbage-like sinner like He didn't have to. Quite frankly, probably shouldn't have. Went to the cross and ever died and did anything for somebody like me. That's a good, amazing, awesome thing. But again, as we keep moving on, there, there is a negative side to this. There really is. Because you see, Jesus speaks the truth. He doesn't sugarcoat things. And the more we look at it, the more we have to realize that when Jesus spoke, Literally most of it, if not all of it, goes against 99% plus of our conventional thinking. So, but we're going to keep going. Verse 36, he says this, But as I told you, you have seen me, and yet you do not believe me. One thing I want to say real quick. There are so many churches that say Jesus is so inclusive and loves everybody. He just include everybody. How come every time Jesus talks, he's separating the sheeps and the goats? Hmm, something to think about. But anyway, they saw Jesus. They saw him do mighty works. They saw him perform miracles. Yet, they did not care about the one who was performing these works. They did not care about the one who was doing these miracles. They did not believe Jesus was who he really said he was. But they saw him as a means to an end. They saw him as a way to get things, to get stuff. Perhaps, sure, there was something special about him. I mean, to be fair, does anybody remember? I mean, some of you were a little older than me. Some of you were about my age and maybe a couple of you are younger. But does anybody remember the name David Copperfield from like the 90s? 
right? So, how many of you watched him on TV? I mean, I'm going to say the vast majority of us. So, he was nothing like godlike, right? But there was something special about it. You wanted to see what he was going to do next, right? That's kind of how the best way I can relate it that these people were looking at Jesus. They were looking at him thinking, this is kind of fun. This is kind of cool. I've not seen this before. But the added bonus is I get extra things. He's just going to give me food and bread, and he's going to make these, he's going to do a magic trick essentially and, and give me extra bread and, and lunch or, or supper or whatever. Awesome. I'm on board. Let's 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 see what happens. That's how they're relating to this. They didn't see him for who he was. They saw him as some kind of man who does parlor tricks, who gives them things. And that's why we have to enter in the next few weeks. We'll be looking at it, this long discourse by Jesus. Because, again, he doesn't say, oh, that's okay. You can think that. You can think however you want. He's like, no, I'm, I have to set this straight. Because truth is more important. Because without truth, we will not know Jesus. It's plain and simple. But they did not see him as he was. They did not see him as God. They did not know him for who he says he is. Jesus says, you've seen me, yet you do not believe. That word believe again. You do not trust. You do not rely. You just look at me and think, huh, cool. I can hang out with this for a while. He said, I've given you all the signs. I have shown you more than enough. Yet you still don't believe me. You still just want things. You still just want to take things your own way. We see that today. We always will see that. Because again, our hearts are hard and we're selfish. For the most part. This life is hard with Christ. This life is hard with the Holy Spirit inside of us. Imagine, remember what it was like before. Impossible. Impossible. But let's keep going. Verse 37 says this, Everyone the Father gives to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. Now, now we're really getting into this. Jesus is really going, alright, here's the deal. I'm going to tell you all about it. And when Jesus starts talking, especially if you have a, happen to have a red-letter Bible, it just kind of points out certain things. We get to see that if you if you like mine, you got to turn the page, and Jesus has a real long discourse, a lot of Jesus talking. And when you see a lot of red, pay attention, because that's where most people will try to skew what Jesus says to get what they want. So this is where we have to pay close attention. Now Jesus, again, gets really into this. Jesus tells us that the Father's in control. That he has the power, that he has the authority. And this is kind of mimicking what he says after he raises from the tomb, too. So we look at all this stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. That all authority has been given to him. We know that part. We've, we've, we've read that part of the Bible a thousand times, right? That the, the authority that the Father has is now in Christ's hands. We're talking about this overall power, this majesty, this authority. And that those who come to Christ as Savior and Lord, that the Father has compelled them to come because of the Father's authority, the Father's power. But because of what we have to see, we have to understand this, is that God, God has already shown us 
so much. Often God shows us more than enough. Enough to come to him. He is drawing us by his power and his authority, his majesty. He is compelling us to come, which we'll get more into that here in the weeks to come because Jesus will say this again. But again, he is drawing us. But there are times. There are times that there are those of us, because of our extremely hard hearts, it, it takes a little bit more. It takes a little bit more. There are those of us who, because of the sin in our lives, because the sin in our lives is so great, we are so worldly that it takes a little bit more than just general, random signs. I have a really good example. Because some of your faces are kind of like, what? I want you to think about Paul, the writer of the third of the New Testament. Okay? Think about him for a second. And you're like, ah, oh, I know where this is going. I hope you do. But Paul did not come to Christ because he came to church one day and he heard a great message preached. He did not. Paul did not come to Christ because there was an evangelist outside. He did not say, oh, what's this? Oh, it's a Bible. I'm going to read it. I'm going to see what's going on. Oh, I know Jesus now. He did nothing like that. There was nothing conventional about the way that Paul came to Christ. God revealed himself to Paul. Period. And I want to say this. When you see Jesus for who he really is, you do not have a choice anymore. If you saw God in all his glory show up to you on the Damascus Road, put yourself there for a second, and you're like, whoa, nah. You're still not that powerful, God. You're still not the God who you claim to be. <laughs> You're not going to do that. You won't. You know what that's called? That's called undeniable grace. When you see Jesus for who he really is, you, you don't have no choice because it's what truth, ultimate truth really is. And when you see real truth, you can't explain it away. And you're going to say, nope, that's it. I know it. Jesus, thank you. Uh, forgive me. I have, I have no choice. There's no other logical answer for this. Some of us need that. Some of us have to be hit in the face <clears throat> with that Holy Spirit frying pan to get it. Some of us don't. Some of us do. But as God compels us to come, sometimes that's what has to happen. There is realistically no choice but to bow, bend, and knee when God reveals himself in that way. To see him as Lord. Because God's will will be done. <clears throat> if, if he wants you to come, he might treat you like Paul and say, guess what, buddy? You're going to be blind for a few days. I'm going to show you this bright light. You're going to hear me speak, and you're not going to have a choice because I'm going to show you who I am, and you're going to know what ultimate truth is, which would be awesome. That would be super cool. Maybe not. But God's will is going to be done. If he has picked you out for something, <laughs> Drop your seatbelt on. Drop your seatbelt on. Because I want to say this, and I take heart with this. I really do. This this is super important to me, and I hope and I hope it makes you feel similar in the same way. That no matter what I do, no matter how much I mess up, I cannot ruin God's plan. 
That's amazing. And yes, he still forgives me and says, I will still use you. What? If I was in his place, I would not have done that. Aren't you glad that you're not God? Aren't you glad that I'm not? I mean, really, really. God is amazing. But yet we try to put ourselves in, in his position like we know what we're doing. And we don't. But the second part of that is this. We look at that one verse. He says this then, the one who comes I will never cast out. That's good news. That's real good news. If you are in Christ, you are new. But more importantly than being new, I mean, that's important, but you know what's more important than being simply made new? That you're His. You're His forever. He has you. He owns you. You have been given a new heart. One that is now inclined towards Jesus instead of inclined away from Jesus. Again, this life will not be easy. And it may not always look like what you want it to. There will be times when you're covered in mud. You are covered in filth. But even then, you're still His. You're still His. And when Jesus has you, I want you to always remember this, that His grip is very strong. And He will never let you go. And He says so right here. He says that anyone who comes to me, I will never cast out. But as we keep going, verses 38 and through 40, real quick, I'll read them again. For I have, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on, again, the last day. <clears throat> now, I want to say this. I can sum these last three verses up in one sentence. I mean, obviously, I'm going to talk more about it and break it down some more, but I could. I can give you the sentence, but we're going to keep talking about it. But I want to say this. The summation of this verse is this. That the believer's security, our security, those who actually follow Jesus Christ, the security of ours is found in the Son's faithfulness to the Father's will. That's our security. I want to say this one more time. Our security is found in the Son's faithfulness. It, it doesn't say our faithfulness. It's nothing again that we can do. His faithfulness, not, not ours. Simply, Jesus. That's it. Jesus says this though in verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Which we will see that he again says this in the garden the night he was betrayed. Remember that when he says, not my will, but yours be done? Because Jesus knows what's coming. Because Jesus is God, and he knows all things. He knows why he came to earth. He knows what's coming the next day when he said that. He knows what he's talking about when he says this here. Jesus repeatedly tells us that. That he 
purposefully submits to the Father. Purposefully. That's good for us. Extremely good for us. But then he continues and he says this. He says in verse 39, This is the will of him who sent me that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. He says, I will not lose any that I know. Any that those that come to me, any that know me, any that I know, I have them. Again, we talked about just a few minutes ago, that authority that's the Father's, Jesus is saying, that's, that's mine too. Wait till I raise. And then he'll fully take all that authority. That's what we have to look at. Any that trust in me, any that the Father gives to me, I will not lose. Then he gives us the promise that I will raise them up on the last day. That's, again, really good for us. He will not lose any. And I love the part, this part because you know, you know who that any is? It's us. I mean, do we really believe that? Do you really believe that Jesus is having you and holding you? That He has the power that you don't have to because you can't. You can't raise yourself from the dead. You can't earn your way into heaven. But it's Jesus who is holding us. And, and His grip is tight. Really tight. Our hope is, and our future is literally secured. If you know Jesus, and you've been washed by the blood, the Holy Spirit lives inside you, I can literally guarantee you, you have a really good retirement plan. Much better than most people's 401ks right now. It's good. It's good. It's secure because of Jesus Christ. And literally nothing else. And then we continue on, trying to move quickly here. Verse 40, he says this, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Again, if you believe in Him, not just believe in Him thinking that He's real, but to steal, rely on, trust in. If you have that, if you trust in Jesus Christ, the one who is revealed in the Bible, not a fake made up one in your head, but the one that this talks about, then you know what you can Eternal life. And if you don't, you, we know what the opposite of that is, right? Eternal darkness, eternal separation, eternal death. I mean, it sounds like a no-brainer. Is it me or? I don't know. But we can have that life for all of eternity. We are able to have that real and true life. And I will say this again, if you are not thankful for that, if you are not giving that kind of thanksgiving to God, then you've completely missed the point. I mean, without a doubt, missed the point. Jesus has done all, has done Everything required. He has given us all we need. Everything. Yes, things and stuff can be good. Stuff is cool. Who here likes stuff? Right? Everybody should be raising their hands. You don't have to. I'm just going to assume that everybody... I love stuff. Stuff is great. 
most of us wouldn't have got here without stuff because you have a car that's stuff it's a big category you know what else people can be good too we like people we're gonna have dinners and stuff with people probably throughout this week a lot of people I remember when, when we were first married years ago when we lived a lot closer to family and all, you know, all of our grandparents and everybody saw that stuff. We had like four or five Thanksgiving dinners, which I liked because they, we had like six pennies to rub together. You know, we had no money, so everybody's like, take some food home. Yeah. It was great. It was great. That's good stuff too. But... If your object of affection, your focus, your admiration, even your worship, all of that stuff is on anything, anybody but Jesus, then we have missed the point. That self-admittedly took a long time to kind of get your know, grasp that, to get that. Because growing up, not in the church, Thanksgiving, family, Christmas, family, New Year's, family, Fourth of July, America, that was it. That was it. There was no Jesus there. There was no God there. Even if there was, like, well, thank you, God, that you gave us this. It was all about ourselves. That was it. Kind of a thing to where we look at it, kind of like the magician thing earlier. We looked at God as some kind of genie, some kind of person who plays parlor tricks to he should give me what I want. That, that was it. We have missed the point. We will have missed who he is and what he has called us to do. Remember that. When we're sitting around our dinner tables this week, when we're taking our foods that we, we're, we're going to Pack boxes for. Where is our object of affection? Where is our worship? I mean, have a good time. Laugh. Have fellowship with one another. But what's it really about? What's it really about? But as we bring this to a close, let me say this. Quite simply, if you know Jesus, <clears throat> if you know the biblical Jesus, then I want to say this. May your worship be pleasing to Him. And keep it up. Keep doing it. Good job. Right? I mean, really. And if not, I, I have good news for you as well if you don't know Jesus. There's hope. That's a four-letter word that I love. Hope. Jesus died to save us, but He also lived, did these things so that we can know Him. That we can trust Him. That we can believe in Him. And if God is calling you, compelling you to come, I want to use two words real quick. They both start with the letter R. Relent. Stop pushing back. And repent. Come to Christ. Come to Jesus. Know Him as your Lord and Savior. Not just Savior. Everybody wants saved from hell. But you should want Him to be Lord and be saved from your sins too. Know Jesus. And you can and will know the peace that He offers.
the peace that He offers. And we will praise and worship Him together with thanksgiving. Right? As He changes you and gives you salvation and eternal life. And if, one more time, we're not willing to give Him thanksgiving for that, I do believe that we will have missed every aspect of the point. Father, again, we thank You for everything that You do, for who it is that You are. Jesus, that You would die for us. That You would die in our place to take our sin. And Lord, You would give us Your righteousness. Lord, again, we thank You for Your blood that was shed. We thank You, Lord, for Your grace. We thank You, Lord, for Your mercy. And again, Lord, we just thank You because You are God. Lord, we love You and we praise You. And again, thank You for all that You do and for who it is that You are. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.